we're in the book of Exodus. And I, you know, I believe, you know, as we look at this passage of Scripture, this is one of my favorite stories in all the, the, the Word of God. It's just one of those unique things, you know. And really, when I say my favorite stories in all the Word, we know that it's not a fable, and it's something that actually happened. It's something that actually occurred. And what's amazing is, is that God was moving His people to a place of faith, and He was moving them to a place of purpose. And I think, you know, one of the things that we have to understand as a church and as a congregation is the very same way in which God was moving people forward, his chosen people, Israel, and now the church, is the very same way that God wants us to move forward as we uh, live out the mission of God. And I want to remind our church today, and we're going to, as a, as a staff, as, as pastors, we want to get back to basics. We want to get back to just reminding you that God has called each and every one of us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. God has called us to move forward in our faith. And I'm afraid that what is endemic of other churches could very well be said in our church as well. And what I mean by that is this. Most often, people that attend a church, they come to church in part because of what they think that church can give to them. And so what we would call that is modern-day consumerism. I'll go to this church, and I'll be a part of this church as long as I like the music, Um, or as long as I like the preaching, or as long as I'm not offended, or if they have something for my kids, that's a big deal. And um, and friends, I want to tell you, I just want you to understand that we're not going to be a church that is a consumer-driven church. We are going to be a church of committed disciples of Jesus Christ. And if there's something about our church that you're like, hey, this isn't my favorite, or hey, we could do a better job in that. I had someone this morning say, hey, I'm going to send you some suggestions this week of things that we could do to button up things around our church. Man, please, please do that. Because what we want you to understand is we don't mind the the criticism uh, that's constructive. Amen? But if you're going to criticize, be a part of contributing to the solution. And I find so often that we have a tendency, like the children of Israel, and we're going to see that here in just a moment, that we're no better than the slouch on the couch that's telling the quarterback how he should have thrown the ball and what read he should have made. And for all the ladies out there that did not understand a word I just said, it's like when you go to your um, scrapbooking class. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Boo, I know, right? My bad. I'll, I'll hear that one later. But the reality is, is we're so conditioned to criticize. We're so conditioned to complain about the way things should be, but very few of us are willing to sacrifice and work and give and live generously so that we can have a preferred future. And and we find that true, not just in our current culture, but this has been part of the depravity of man uh, since man was created. And so last week, we mentioned several initiatives that God is leading us into as a church. And to be honest with you, these initiatives are only possible as we follow God and as we lean on Him in dependence by faith and, 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 and obey the calling that he has on our lives as individuals and as a church. And one of those possibilities was the, was the thought of expanding our facility. And so when Mike says to you tonight, if you're a regular attender or a voting member of this church, we need you to be here tonight because there's some important items on the agenda. We really want you to be here tonight because there's some things that we need to share with you that are very important and that are going to be of value that you need to know about. And so our our heart is to to see the kingdom of God expanded 
But when I say we're getting back to basics, what I mean is this. Our heart is to slow down. We want to slow down as a congregation and not do a bunch of things at a level of mediocrity, but do a few things at a level of excellence that would honor Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we want to do that in part because God's not so much concerned about us expanding our facility or expanding the sanctuary, but God is more concerned with building lives. God wants to build your faith. And can I just be honest with you this morning as your pastor and as one of your pastors, I would say that some of us, and I could probably fit into this category as well, if I'm being honest. Some of you this morning, your faith has stalled. If we're just being honest. For some of you, your faith has become stagnant. There's nothing dynamic about your faith. There's no really miraculous, supernatural answers to prayer. In fact, for many of you, like the children of Israel... The only thing that you can do is see the Red Sea that's in front of you, the problem in your, that's, that's, that's right in front of your face without the possibility of really clinging to a faithful, forgiving God who wants to deliver you and develop you so that your life has meaning, significance, and it contributes to the eternal kingdom of God. And so if we're just being honest today, I think it's very easy to slip into this stagnancy. It's very easy to slip into this idea that, My faith is not moving forward, and my hope and my prayer is through the Word of God this morning is that we would not forfeit our future by not putting our faith in God. And that's what we're going to be looking at throughout this entire series as we look at the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, how they forfeited a preferable future. They forfeited God's very best for their life simply because they did not put their faith in God. And so if we desire to live by faith, our best days can be ahead of us. Your best days as a follower of Jesus Christ, your best days in your family, your best days for us as a church can be ahead of us if we are willing to put our faith in God and take the next step that he has for us. But oftentimes we see hindrances and setbacks and we see adversity rather than we see our faithful God in front of us. And so this morning the big idea is this. Difficulty is the tool that God is using to develop your faith. So here's what I want you to think about this morning. I want to challenge you to maybe, in your notes today, write down one or two things right now that you think are a difficulty, an adversity, or a hindrance. Maybe something that you're afraid of or you believe is in the way of God's plan for your life. Now, how many of you could write something down, at least one, maybe two things a day that you think, man, this, this thing's hindering my faith. For the children of Israel, it was the Red Sea. God had brought them out of the the land of Egypt, and he was taking them from bondage to freedom, and they thought that they were going to escape the, the Egyptians. But what happened was the Egyptians said, no, we want you back as slaves. And so Pharaoh, with a hardened heart, began to chase down the children of Israel. And he was going to wipe them all out with his chariots and with his soldiers. He was going to murder them all. And on their way out, as they're escaping... They come to the Red Sea, and they have their back against the wall. And to some degree, they probably said, God, we want to believe. God, we want to move forward, but we can't because there's this massive body of water that's staring back at us. And I think for some of us this morning, there's a massive body of water that's in front of us. There's that one thing, the adversity, the difficulty, the setback, 
maybe a past failure, maybe something that you said, man, if God would just do this for me, my life would be easier, and then I could really get to serving God. But in reality, it's that that difficulty, it's that Red Sea that's in front of you. That's the thing that God is using to develop your faith, and you don't even know it. So some Christians today are stuck. They want to move forward, but because of fear and a lack of faith, their journey is characterized by wondering. Their journey is characterized by excuse-making, apathy, and even mediocrity. And so this morning, my challenge to you is let's move forward. You know, the reality is is that the children of Israel were about 200 to 250 miles away from the destination that God wanted them to go, the promised land. What should have taken them about a month ended up being 40 years in the desert because they didn't put their faith in God. So instead of depending on God, they focused on the difficulty in front of them. Instead of depending on God, they focused on the difficulty in front of them. And if I were being honest today, I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency to look at the difficulty, the setback, the frustration, and I get aggravated, I get angry, and I just stall out. Maybe you're like that here this morning. But I want to give you some thoughts today that will help you to move forward in your faith, just like God helped the children of Israel move forward in their faith in this passage of Scripture. This morning, I want to remind you that no matter what you're facing, you can look to our faithful God and move forward by faith, Because first of all, we see that God reinforces our faith. God wants to reinforce your faith. And that Red Sea moment when you're facing this large object that's holding you back from what you think is God's purpose of your life, remind yourself in that moment, hey, no matter how hard this is, no matter what adversity I'm facing, no matter what setback there is, no matter what enemy I'm facing, God is at work in this moment to reinforce my faith. Now, what was God up to on this journey from Egypt to the promised land? God was teaching his people to live by faith, to live in complete dependence on him. So for some of us this morning, we need to be reminded that the destination is as important as the journey. The destination is as important as the journey. How we get to where we're going and what God does in the process to get us to where we need to be is every bit as much as important as the places where God is taking us. And so all the while that we're going through stuff and all the while while we're struggling along the way and sometimes we put our faith in God and other times we fail and we walk in fear and we walk in shame or we walk in regret and and through it all, God is loving enough to continue to reinforce our faith. In the midst of the most difficult hour, we can depend on God. Each and every circumstance and situation in our life is designed by God to accomplish the purposes of God. You with me? Every single circumstance of your life, everything, there isn't anything in your life right now that's going on that God hasn't designed uniquely for you to reinforce, strengthen, and mature your faith. Nothing in your life happens by divine chance. Nothing happens by divine circumstance Every single minutia of your life is designed by a sovereign God who desires nothing but your good and his glory. Nothing. So everything in your life is there to reinforce your faith in him. But secondly, what we find is this, is that in the process of reinforcing our faith, he reveals our faith. 
he reveals our faith. And so when you look at verses 10 through 14, God was using the adversity in their lives to reveal where they were spiritually. All right, you guys with me? God was in the, in, in the process of reinforcing. He's like, hey, your faith needs to be strengthened, and it needs to be strengthened because here's what your faith is in, and here's where your faith is at. And so God tests our faith to show us what our faith really is. What, what is your faith? And he shows us where our faith is at. So when you walk in adversity this week, know this. When you walk in difficulty this week, when you struggle through this week, you've got to know that every single thing that happens in your life, every single difficulty, every single setback has a purpose in it. Everything. I got a call yesterday, something that got thrown on my plate uh, with our family situation that we're kind of praying through with my mom and her husband in Florida And in that moment, I was like, oh, man, just more. It's just coming, and it won't stop. It's like a wave. And doesn't life feel that way sometimes, where it's just one crashing wave after another? I remember as a kid, we would go to the beach, and uh, if you went to the the Atlantic side, where we would go over to Cocoa Beach, and I uh, would get into the waves. And I remember as a little kid, uh, my parents were kind of like me, you know, not the greatest. You know, they just let me run and roam and do whatever I wanted. And again, I had to grow up and get therapy because of that. And my kids will probably have to do the same. But my mom would let me go play in the ocean. And I remember as a kid, when you jump into the ocean, doesn't it feel sometimes that you just kind of get swept away and you just kind of start sliding before you know it, you look over and mom and dad are way over there. And sometimes I would get in the water and I'd like to try to ride the waves. And sometimes I'd do very well at riding the waves. But if the waves were bad and there was an undercurrent, what would happen is, is the wave would come and it would crash down on you and then it would suck you away. And if you weren't a good swimmer and you weren't smart and knew how to swim along with the current so that you can swim out of it, you could lose your life. And so, life often feels that way, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like this massive wave is coming and it crashes down on you. It sucks you down in the undercurrent and now you wake up or you find yourself in a place that you thought, I never thought I would end up here. And that's exactly what God is doing when you go through the struggles that you face in your life. So God tests our faith. First Peter knew, uh, Peter knew something about this and he said in 1 Peter 1.7, so that the tested generous of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested with fire, listen, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes suffering or adversity. Every single moment of suffering and adversity and difficulty is intended to point you back to Jesus Christ and strengthen your faith. When I was a kid, I grew up in a really messy home life. And I remember thinking as a kid, man, like, why couldn't I grow up in a normal home? Why couldn't I have a dad that would just, like, hang out with me and not gripe at me all the time? Or he would just at least have a conversation with me or throw the ball with me. And I remember as a kid, and I kept this on the dashboard of my car when I got old enough to drive, um, in part because I, you know, um, wanted to honor the Lord with where I went. But I, but I remember this passage of Scripture, and it's kind of my life verse, and it's Job 23.10. And if you know anything about the life of Job, Job was a righteous man. There was no one more righteous on the earth than Job. And Job was blessed by God, and Satan goes to, 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 to God and says, Hey, let me test your servant Job. If I take everything away from him, then he won't serve you. And so God says, Do whatever you want, but don't touch his body. So he 
he wiped him out financially and took away all of his kids while they were at a party. And then he says, okay, well, Job will serve you now, but let me touch his body. He goes, you can touch his body, but don't kill him. And so then he was struck down with boils. And in the process, his wife says, why don't you, and his friends say, why don't you curse God and die? So if you think your wife is in a bad way, how about being married to Job's wife, right? Just curse God and die. And Job goes on in Job chapter 23, 10, he says, but God knows the way that I take. And when he tries me, I'm going to come forth as gold. So God is testing our faith so that we, we can see. He knows where our faith is at. He knows what our faith is in, but he tests us so that we can see where our faith is at and what our faith is in. And for the children of Israel, you find in verse 10, let's read that. He says in verse, uh, verse 10 of chapter 14, when the Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And so the first thing that we see that the children of Israel that was real about their faith was fear. Listen, the Bible says that the children of Israel feared greatly. Fear wasn't the problem. It was their response to the difficulty. We all have fears. Fears can be healthy, you know? Can I get an amen on that? Some fears are healthy. Like, you don't want to walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon. Why don't you want to do that? Because you could fall in. You don't want to walk, walk up and touch a hot stove. Why? Right? You don't want to walk into traffic because why? You get it. You don't want to walk down a dark alley you know, on the south side of Chicago, right? Why? Because you'll get mugged. Some fear is good. It's just what do we do with the fear that we have? And often we react rather than rely on God. Now, the Bible recognizes that one of the greatest struggles is, that we have as Christians is fear. It's mentioned, you know, really, fear, do not be afraid, is mentioned 480 times in the Bible. And God this morning wants to move your fear to a place of faith. Some sins grab you and imprison you. Fear does that. Faith will set us free from fear, but it takes time as you depend on God and as he delivers. I love this quote by Max Licato. He says this, fear is the big bully in the high school hallway, brash and loud and unproductive. For all the noise fear makes in the room it takes, fear does little good. Fear never wrote a symphony or a poem or negotiated a peace treaty or cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. Fear never saved a marriage or a business. Courage did that. Faith did that. And people who refused to to consult or cower to their uh, intimities did that. And so what we want to understand this morning is be careful about fear and panic because when we panic, listen to what they say later on this verse. They said unto Moses in verse number 11, is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Uh, is Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may, listen to what they said. We would have been, we'd have been better off in Egypt. Why didn't you just leave us alone? How many of you can be honest this morning and say, in a moment of fear, I've made some boneheaded and foolish decisions, amen? We do that sometimes. And I want to encourage you this morning that you can put your faith in God and you can move forward. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. The King James says it this way, God has not given us a spirit of, uh, of fear, but of love and of power, and listen, of a sound mind. Some of us go crazy when we're left alone to our what? To our thoughts. And when we 
try to play it out like a chess game, we, 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 we stress out and we live in and we rest in an anxiety rather than resting in and depending on a faithful, forgiving God. And then in verses 11 and 12, and I, I've read verse 11 and, and a part of verse 12 there, they just, they just start complaining. So God, as he's reinforcing their faith, he's revealing their faith, and he's revealing that they're afraid complainers, right? Complain, listen, write this down. Complaining never solved anything. Amen? Complaining never solves anything. Anybody can complain. The children of Israel were complaining, and they were saying, we'd rather be slaves back in Egypt rather than trust God with our lives. Every one of us is open, and I'm, I'm, a primary, I'm a primary person in this, but we're all open to this type of foolishness. God, my life would be so much better if you just make this go away. The very things, listen, the very thing this morning that you're complaining about in your life right now is the very thing that God is using to keep your heart close to his. Because if it wasn't for that one thing in your life, that one struggle, that one adversity, if it wasn't for that, that one thing that you just feel like is a major setback, you wouldn't probably be as close to God as you actually are or should be. So stop complaining. God often tests our faith to show us where our faith is and what it is in. And so Israel, and this is what we do, Israel was looking at the problem horizontally rather than looking at it vertically. They were looking around. They saw the Red Sea on one side. They saw the Egyptians on the other. But do you know what was up? The pillar, the cloud. God was there physically guiding them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the Bible goes on to say, I don't have time to get into this, but the Bible says uh, later on in verse 19, um, he says, the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel, listen, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. You know what was happening in that moment? As they were afraid and as they were complaining, the Bible is showing us that the, the cloud, the angel of God, went from leading them, it went now behind them to protect them from the very thing that they were afraid of and complaining. So instead of looking up to God, all they could have done was this. Man, this is going to be cool. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, that's going to happen. All they had to do was look up. All they had to do is put their faith in God. All they had to do was look uh, vertically rather than horizontally. And most of us, we look at our checkbook and we're afraid. Most of us, we look at our family situation and we're freaking out. Most of us are looking at college and we're, we're looking at our friends and we're looking at our job and, and, and we're looking at all these different things that we feel like are our Red Sea rather than looking up to God and saying, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? And God, I know you can, and I know you will, and I don't know when, but I know you're going to deliver me. I know that you're going to strengthen my faith in this moment, and I can't tell you. Time after time where I've complained, and I've had fears, and I've made bad decisions, and yet God, in his long suffering, like with the children of Israel, still worked on my behalf. And I felt like such a fool. I felt like such a moron thinking, man, I wish I wouldn't have complained. I wish I wouldn't have been afraid. 
I wish I wouldn't have gotten stressed out about this because all in all, God was right here and he was just moving from here to here because he was going to come. And guess what? He was going to have my back. He was going to take care of the situation. You see, the way to grow in faith is not to remove the difficulty, but to depend on God. There's a phrase that has been used in the media to describe certain types of parents. When I was younger, and I'm not that old, but when my kids were first born, there was a term called helicopter parenting. And that's where parents kind of hover over their kids and they uh, try to, you know, protect them and make sure everything is okay. How many of you heard that term before, right? Helicopter parenting. Then there's also now a new term called lawnmower parenting. How many of you heard of that one? My kids have. Because lawnmower parenting means that I'm going to mow down any adversity or any struggle that might be in front of my child. I've made the decision, and my kids know I've made the decision, that I'm not mowing anything down. In fact, I'm going to try to raise walls so that they have to figure out how to get through the wall because that's how life works. So guess what? You forget a homework assignment, and you call me at home or at work and say, oh, Daddy, I forgot my assignment. What happens? You're getting a zero, baby. I love you. I'll see you tonight at dinner. Hey, Dad, I forgot my lunch today. Can you bring me my lunch? I'm really sorry, but I'm at work, and I can't bring you your lunch. I just can't mow down every single obstacle because if I do that, guess what? My kids are not going to learn to be responsible adults. How many of you with me? Some of you say, man, you're a horrible parent. I know, I know, and you can contribute to their therapy fund. But I'll say this. I'm a better follower of Christ when he doesn't remove the difficulties. Because sometimes it hurts. And sometimes I feel alone. And sometimes I feel abandoned. And sometimes I don't know that there's a way out. And sometimes I don't know if the Red Sea is going to be a parting. Sometimes I think I am going to fail. And sometimes I have failed. But it's in those moments of failure. And it's in those moments where I feel like I've been abandoned. I feel, you see I'm saying? I feel that way. Feeling isn't fact, but I feel that way. But it's in those moments that my faith is actually being reinforced and it's being revealed to me so that I can be the man that God has called me to be. So that I can be a better husband and a better father and so that I can be a better pastor, so that I can be a better discipler, so that I can be everything that God wants me to be. But I can't do that if he removes every single difficulty that comes into my life. And then in verses 19 to 31, very quickly, we see a, a rewarded faith. God wants you to, God wants to show you what your faith can be. And here's what's incredible. You can have a strong faith that's built on a rock-solid foundation of the promises of God. He can develop your faith to a place where you're walking by faith and not by sight. C.S. Lewis says, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. God rewarded his people with his presence, his power, and his protection. Who wouldn't want some of that this week? Amen? Who wouldn't want the presence and the power of God on their life as they step into Monday morning? With all of its uncertainty, they didn't deserve. They didn't deserve what God was doing for them. And in spite of their lack of dependence, he mercifully provided for them what they needed exactly when they needed it. God's responsibility is to deliver, and our responsibility is to depend on him. 
no matter how dark or difficult the situation you're facing uh, may seem, God is near and he's fighting for his people and he wants us to move forward. And I want to encourage you today to know this morning that God is at work. Know this. Know that God is at work. Instead of being foolish and complaining or responding in fear, just say, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to step forward in faith and I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with the situation. And so this morning as we kind of kind of walk through, like what is this going to look like for me and you this week? What is this going to look like in real time for me and you? And so some of you this morning, you're like, man, God could never work in my life. God could never use my life. Man, if you knew some of the things that I've done and some of, some of my past and my sin and all the things that are included in that, hey, listen, God can't give me that kind of faith. Listen, it ain't about your faith. It's about the object of your faith. What are you putting your faith in? Because right now you may have this small, weak, anemic little faith. It may not be a very big faith. And listen, the good thing is is that it's not dependent on their faith was weak sauce, right? And even though they had this tiny, anemic faith, God did this amazing miracle in spite of them. So this morning... Take your past and your failures and cling to our faithful God who delivers. So think about it in these terms this morning. You may jot these down and then we're done. Think about your faith for a moment. What difficulty, write down the word faith, what difficulty are you facing right now that God is using to grow you? Instead of complaining and responding in fear, you could take steps to depend on God to deliver you in his time as he develops your faith. Faith is about following God where he leads. That's all that God was asking of his people. Follow me where I lead you. That's it. Just follow me. Just follow me. Just follow me. Walk by faith and not by sight. It's about obedience and trust. It's not about having a big faith. It's not about, um, but it is about following a faithful God. And this should encourage us to depend on God as he delivers us. Then think about not just your faith, but think about your family. Are you facing difficulty in your family that's causing your faith to waver? How many of you right now have an issue with a spouse right now? How many of you right now have some issues with your kids or your in-laws or your extended family? I mean, how many of us know the difficulty that comes along with being a part of a family? Is your marriage struggling? Are you struggling to raise kids that love Christ and want to serve him? Move forward in faith and obey God. How about your finances? How many of you could say this morning, man, I'm struggling in my finances? Have your finances taken a turn for the worse? Some of you, some of you, um, I know you'd probably like to give more, but you're saddled with debt and you don't know what to do. I want to encourage you, John's in the back today, but humble yourself, humble yourself, and join Financial Peace University. That starts next week. I mean, get out of debt, man. Stop living paycheck to paycheck and learn to walk in faith and generosity and leverage what God has gifted you for the kingdom of God. And then think about your future. Faith, family, finances, and future. How many of you worried about the future? I've got a freshman in my home right now that's already, we started watching that show, The Gilmore Girls. We're trying to figure out if Lorelai is going to end up at Harvard or if she's going to go to Yale or Princeton. We don't know. But it's created this entire conversation about where we're going to go to college and how we're going to do college. And, and we're just constantly, I mean, four more years, man. Four years, and we're already talking about it. And so how easy is it for us to step into anxiety rather than to step into a place of faith? Man, how easy is that for us to do that? A lot of people want control. They're trying to produce an outcome, and you're living with anxiety and and even depression 
because things are not just unfolding the way that you thought that they would unfold. So this morning, God, who is faithful, is calling you to move forward, putting your faith, no matter how little, big, or weak, or struggling it might be in him, who will protect you, provide for you, and show you his power and presence when you obey his word and follow his plan for your life.